Praise to you, O Christ, King of eternal glory. I give you a new commandment, says the Lord. Love one another as I have loved you. Praise, Praise to, to you, you, O Christ, King, King of, of eternal glory. glory. We stand for the Gospel. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from table, took off his outer robe and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, you do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, one who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe and had returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done for, to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. When Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Maudie Thursday has long been among my favourite festivals in the Christian year. 
So our inability once again to celebrate it as we should wish is hard to take. Yet, here we are in church again for this special communion, to remember the occasion when Jesus shared his last supper with his disciples and then went on to wash their feet. Both these actions he told them to continue into the future. The way we're able to share the communion this evening is sadly limited by current restrictions and we have to forego our annual foot washing. But there is another special thing about today which in most years is perhaps hidden behind these cherished practices. It's Jesus saying which actually gives us the name Maundy Thursday. It comes from the Latin mandatum meaning a commandment and appears in the reading we just heard. I give you a new commandment, says Jesus, that you love one another. Like the other commandments, those to share the sacred meal together and to wash one another's feet, this is something the disciples are told to carry out, carry on doing after he's left them to go where they cannot come. The nature of the new commandment should hold no surprises for us. When he was asked which were the most important commandments, Jesus quoted the words of Hebrew scriptures that we should love God wholeheartedly and love our neighbours even as much as we love ourselves. When he said that he wasn't giving any new command when he said that he wasn't giving any new commandment, he was endorsing those which had already underpinned all the commandments and on which, as he said, hang all the law and the prophets. His hearers wouldn't have found anything to disagree with in that. How different it must have been on that other occasion when he boldly contradicted the accepted wisdom of the day by saying, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now we're about to see Jesus practice exactly what he preaches. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. So what's so special about the commandment Jesus gives his followers on this fateful evening? What is it that makes it new? There are three things which make it so. The first is the context in which Jesus is speaking. The second is the purpose he's trying to get across to his disciples in this time of crisis. The third, and most important, is the quality of the love he's calling for. It's to be just as I have loved you. The context is unique. Yes, he'll return and give them further teaching after his resurrection, but there'll never be another occasion quite like this. It's what the other Gospels present as his final Passover meal at which he offers his followers his body as food and his blood as drink. John has prepared his readers earlier in his gospel for such an unprecedented and shocking event. But it must still have made a massive impact on them as they realized in that moment that Jesus is creating a uniquely intimate bond with them, a bond for all time, one which must never be broken. In the ancient world, sharing a meal with someone was held to form 
an indissoluble pact with them. It's why people were so fussy about whom they shared a meal with. For his part, Jesus scandalized respectable people by his willingness to eat at the table with social outcasts and outright sinners. Now, in identifying the bread with his body and the wine with his blood, Jesus is doing so much more. He is creating a unique bond and fellowship never to be undone. And the other equally shocking event of that unique evening is to see their acknowledged Lord and teacher on his knees before them, serving as their slave. This is the context of Jesus saying about love. However familiar the words might appear to be, the context gave them a power beyond anything his friends had ever known or dreamt of. It had to be so because the purpose of Jesus' exhortation to them to love one another would be vital to the success of the task he was about to entrust to them, that of spreading the good news of God's love throughout the world. The proof that they were his disciples would be precisely the love people would see existed between them. Just to say those words brings on feelings of guilt and shame, even to this day. In my lifetime, I've witnessed, and I hope in some very small way, even contributed to better relationships between Christians who understand the faith in different ways. Some of our divisions have healed, or at least been significantly reduced. But others have emerged in recent decades and are tearing the church apart, seriously undermining its credibility as a bringer of God's good news. So the purpose of Jesus' words is still far from achieved. They need to go on challenging us and all who seek to be his followers for as long as it takes. And this must be our constant prayer. After thinking about the context and the purpose of Jesus' command to love one another, what of the quality of the love he's talking about? The answer is simple. The achievement is anything but. Jesus' command is plain, love one another as I have loved you. At the beginning of this evening's Gospel reading, John set the scene by telling us <coughs> Having loved his own who were in the world, Jesus loved them to the end. That end is now very close. John goes on to give us a very extended account of other things Jesus told his disciples before they finally set out together for the Garden of Gethsemane and his arrest. This included the very challenging statement we tend to recall mostly at our annual remembrance ceremonies. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. It's been pointed out that Jesus himself did show greater love than this. He laid down his life for his enemies. As the hymn puts it, cheerful he to suffering goes that he his foes from thence might free. 
It was left to another later follower, another John in fact, to distill this into words which best express our understanding of love and how it is not merely an attribute of God, it is God's very being. Although John, this John begins by saying, let us love one another because love is from God, he doesn't leave it there. After extensively exploring what this might mean, he arrives inevitably at the truth that God is love. Years ago, I spent some time pondering on the question, what is the nature of love in Christian belief? I've never felt the need to alter the conclusion I reached then. The nature of love is self-giving. The gift of the Father of the Son to save us is an act of self-giving. The offering of Jesus on the cross is pure self-giving. And God's Spirit with us proves that the self-giving continues still. The self-giving of God has no beginning or end. God's love is eternal. It is the only thing in life, past, present and future, of which we can be truly sure. When Jesus gives us a new commandment that our love for one another is to be like his, it could so easily cause us to despair. It's so clearly beyond our ability to obey. There is indeed only one way to approach this. It is to receive so willingly and completely God's act of self-giving that Jesus brings us. So that it may overflow from us into the lives of others. We're here tonight to embrace the Saviour who gives himself to be our food, who kneels before us in service, and who sends the Spirit to equip us with the will and the strength to love one another as he has loved us. Loving Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent us your Son. Loving Lord Jesus, we thank you that you give your own life that we might live. Loving Spirit, we thank you that you assure us of God's presence with us now and forever. <laughs>